Hi, and welcome back to the Unplugged Debate. Before we get into today's podcast, I'd like to invite you all over to our Instagram page, at Unplugged Me. But until then, let's get back into the podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Unplugged Debate. On this podcast, we delve into the ideas surrounding human interaction with both nature and technology. Talking to people about their time in the outdoors, starting from when they were younger all the way through to present day. Developing a picture on who and what motivates them to be outside and why they do the things they do in the outdoors. Crossing over into talking about their technology usage and how that's changed throughout their life and speaking to them about the different types of technology they use on a day-to-day basis from their mobile phones to their running shoes. Once we've developed a good picture of them, we incorporate that into how they think technology has changed their outlook on life and their time in the outdoors. And finishing with how they think technological development has changed society on a wider scale. So hello and welcome. So, on today's episode, we have Lizzie McGee. Lizzie McGee lives in Edinburgh, and she studied at the University of Durham to get her music degree. Um, She got her postgraduate diploma from uh, Edinburgh in music, um, and you are a qualified yoga instructor. How long have you been doing that for? I've been teaching yoga for over five years now. Fantastic. (laughs) <laughs> and not only not only do you do the yoga stuff you're also you, you like uh we were just having a chat about that you like your type one fun so it's going out uh stand up paddle boarding um hiking hiking in the outdoors and then not so much but you've done it is <laughs> skiing and a bit of canyoning and stuff so, <laughs> yeah, the wilder stuff just a one-time thing the wild stuff is just a one-time thing um so well Thanks for coming on. Much appreciated. First things first, we, we touched on it there. Um, when did that sort of going outdoors and, and the love for the outdoors start? Was it such? Was it uh, from a young age or was it a parent-led thing or was it friends going out and enjoying the outdoors? You know, I don't really have a clear-cut answer to this because I definitely did grow up going to beautiful spots in Scotland Um, We didn't really go on a lot of foreign holidays as a family, but we did go out to Arran and Aviemore and the Trossachs quite a lot in the school holidays. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really appreciate it at the time. And yet now those are some of my favourite places. But again, we were very like fair weather walkers. We would just go on small walks. And I think a lot of that was also because me and my brother we're just kind of whiny kids and we didn't want, to, you know, if we were being dragged out on a big walk, we'd be like, no, like we'd want to stay and watch TV. I just like, I was more, I was pretty typical kid in that way, like kid of the nineties, like loved Disney. And um, I don't re- remember being into outdoor outdoorsy things from a young age. I think it was when I was about 15, 16 that I started to think about the kind of life that I wanted and I don't remember if it was being because I know outdoorsiness is all trendy and popular now I don't remember if it was at that age I don't I don't really think it was but um I think through watching a few films about I think it was even like Parent Trap or something where they were maybe doing some outdoorsy stuff or they were at a summer camp and I remember thinking that does look really fun and it looks awesome to be in a beautiful landscape and to be doing you know all these sports and I kind of think because I think at the time my life was very school and study and then choir practice and watch tv like everything was quite indoorsy and so I just started to think about my adulthood beyond school and I thought I think I'd like to be more active um and then Really, when I left university, I moved to Georgia, um, which is a 
like the state, not the country. <laughs> and um, it's so the weather's amazing there. And so I spent a lot more time outdoors and you know you have the option to that to do that you can make loads of plans that involve being outdoors and actually stick to them and I think it was around about then that I started to get into hiking and I kind of struggled with homesickness when I lived there and therefore that kind of moved into my mental health struggling with my mental health when I was there and so I would kind of go out to the beach or go out to nature spots to try and look after myself and heal myself and then I made that connection of kind of nature to self-care and I think that's really where it started it was about after university um, yeah. and then in, in my 20s I've I've just led with that connection that whenever I want to feel better I want I just want to go outdoors is that sort of I forgot to mention it in the start is you started your own sort of off-grid weekend retreats that you mix in with yoga as well is that something because of this uh, mental health thing and your your homesickness and you saw you saw the benefits of going out to these beautiful landscapes and beaches and stuff is that um a proponent is that what sort of led you into doing that yeah definitely because I I was also as I think a lot of people do in their 20s and 30s and maybe the rest of their life but um I've been very curious about what it is I really want to do and I'm not a settler I don't want to I just don't have it in me to settle for something that feels less than what I'm capable of or a life that feels less than what I had hoped for and sometimes that can get me into some sticky spots where I maybe feel like well will I ever be content but um I don't really I don't really look at it that way I think I just have that caveat in the back of my mind I know that's what some people can come back and say to me but I don't want to settle for a job that doesn't feel right to me but that just pays my bills um, and I'm 20 you know when I was 25 which is what I think a lot of people do um, so I started to play around with all the things that I felt I was good at um, which it felt like kind of teaching in general I was teaching music and then I was and through that you lead I was teaching in high schools so like I'm a leader um, and also realized that I was quite persuasive and could kind of get people to do things but not necessarily to do things for me but to do things for themselves I was like a yeah I was very persuasive and getting kids to do things that would be good for them and then teaching yoga as well in that kind of leadership role and I also love traveling and adventuring and being outdoors and so I kind of just thought well what what could I do that could potentially make me a bit of money but at the end of the day fulfill me um, that pulls on all of those things that I feel are my strengths. So mainly kind of leadership, um, yoga and the outdoors. And then I kind of, I mean, I certainly didn't invent the yoga retreat concept, but <laughs> I was like, right, let's do um, yoga retreats that we spend a lot of time outdoors on them as well. Um, and then I added in the element of subtracting the devices so no one can bring their devices I mean they bring them but they go in this lockbox at the start of the retreats with me and it's this so it's not only this connection to nature and this time to practice yoga which is good for you in so many ways and um, but it's also this time to step away from the noise and and look inwards so I kind of thought I felt when I had that idea I was like I think I could be quite good at that and I'm not someone that thinks I'm good at everything um but I had this feeling even before I I tried anything like it that I was like I think I can do that because I'm good at organizing holidays and it, that's kind of essentially what it is so uh, from what you're saying is is that link um between the outdoors and uh, the feeling of just being centered whilst you're whilst you're in that and then obviously using yoga and yoga is there's in my head anyway there's a, a set thing of it's a connection with the outdoors because a lot of the yoga that you see will be done in the outdoor sort of setting so you're saying that a lot of your 
outdoor experiences come since you sort of moved to Georgia and 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 then throughout that you've you've decided that your life is this is the life that you want to lead because you've got um you've got those talents that help and it's it's a an altruistic thing you want people to enjoy the outdoors the way that you enjoy the outdoors and the benefits it gives you is that is that is that where where you're going with that yeah definitely i think that a lot of people especially in cities don't go out to these beauty spots often enough and I think in Scotland certainly we have so many beauty spots that are very accessible because it's such a small country so like nothing's you know if you drive for five hours you're going to move through half the country and I don't think people take um, enough advantage of that um, on the weekends Um, because even if they have jobs that are quite consuming in the weeks often what happens is the weekends are filled with like maybe like a brunch and then lots of alcohol and then lots of tv and then they feel more depleted by the sunday night than they did on the friday night and as much as getting into nature takes a bit of planning and you know you have to get up early to get on that drive to get on the road to get somewhere beautiful but it replenishes you actually fills you up with energy and I think that that's what more people are doing now, especially since the pandemic, because they've realised that things like going on walks and hiking and even the boom and wild swimming, um, people realise that it's really good for them. It makes them feel good. And I certainly, yeah, have grown to realise that over the past five or so years and want to share it with people and want to lead by example um, and with my retreats I want to actually bring people along and share that experience of slowing down and being away from the noise of the city. I mean that's a great opponent and I share I share that sentiment obviously with what I'm doing at the moment is the same sort of thing obviously trying to encourage people to get out into nature and do it responsibly as well um because there are people that do do it irresponsibly and ruin the place mm-hmm. for other people um yeah but um there's so much research to suggest that going for wild uh, wild swimming or you know cold water immersion uh, for your mental health is fantastic and getting into green and blue spaces as well is there's so much research to say that it's energizing um, and helps with uh, something called directed attention as well. Um, mm. Helping to regenerate that. So when you go back to work, so if you did a 20 minute walk at lunch in a park or something, um, that will help with your post lunchtime work and stuff. Um, yeah, so- completely. I mean, there's in um, British Columbia, which is where I'm moving to soon, they actually have this, um, they had this new thing come out where doctors can prescribe if someone comes in with depression or um, or anxiety, um, mm-hmm. they can prescribe a national park membership to that person. Um, and obviously we'll also say, you know, you need to go out on, and explore nature as much as you can and then see if that helps and the great thing in Scotland is that our you know you we're, we are we're no trespassing country so you can go anywhere all the time for free um, and people don't make the most of that you know I almost wonder that because in certain places like the states and Canada it's not always free to go into certain spaces I mean most of it is but Sometimes it's not that it might be like a momentum if you kind of got a membership um, to actually go and do that. And um, not that I'm saying that we should do that here at all. But, uh, you know, I think people should be reminded that we have these spaces around us that are so beautiful um, and can really help with mental health. But it's it's sad. I kind of feel like. It's a sad state. I'm not saying. I mean, my, my, my business and yours as well is kind of a product of, of the state of things um, and we're trying to help. Um, but it's sad that we even have to do this. It's sad that we even have to rem- like 
remind people and that I've even had to discover that nature is really important and wonderful and healing and like it should because it should just be a part of life but it's obviously because we've built this capitalist hoo-ha that we're in and we all live in we're you know we all live in small little flats and we go to work a lot and I'm not damning that whole thing um but we have lost that like kind of connection to nature um, especially with just yeah the cult the, I mean I could go into so many avenues with this but like drinking culture and um and just our tech our devices just sapping all of our free time um their ergo mental health issues and then we need to prescribe nature for mental health issues but actually yeah. just the problem was it's we sh- the prevention is always better than the cure mm. Um, it's interesting you, you talk about that, about the um, pres- uh, prescribing national park memberships. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. They, um, they, they're starting to do that now. Uh, certainly there was uh, some trials in the UK where they were prescribing horticultural groups for people who had the same, same depression and anxiety as well. Um, so awesome. it was basically prescribing them to go and run their own uh, vegetable plot with a load of other people um so the exact same benefits that you can get from from having that going outside and interacting with with nature so i want to touch on it because you started talking about technology uh, and the and the digital world so uh, you said when you when you were younger you were sort of a very indoors person and, and liked to watch tv so how have you seen uh, technology change uh, as you've grown up? Well, I think that, um, you know, it, like I said, in the 90s, it was just TV and mm. that was it, really. I mean, we had a, we eventually in the late 90s got a computer, a family computer. But I never used it. It actually seemed like a boring thing. Um, and I think when I got a bit older, we would use it for like MSN or something. But um, it was really just TV and then TV because it was just had a few channels on it. Sometimes wasn't interesting anyway. Um, so as much as I was quite indoorsy, I think that was a product of the fact that, you know, we were at school all day and I did lots of extracurricular stuff. So I get I mean, I played hockey. So I guess that was pretty outdoorsy, but played hockey, was in choirs. So it was kind of home was really for sleeping and eating um and uh yeah so I don't remember I mean I'm just so glad that I that I didn't grow up with too much technology other than tv I mean when I was about 10 my dad got an xbox and we were we would love that but to be honest that those were the glory days of there was quite an innocence around video games as well like it wasn't it was pretty addictive even then but it was, you know, you couldn't play it live. Um, so you just sit and complete a game. And once you completed it, we would actually take a big break from, from the Xbox because we'd feel really accomplished and we'd, we just knew we needed a break because um, we'd, we'd like share levels and things like that. And, uh, but it was, it felt actually really innocent and not all consuming. And then I didn't really, I don't think the iPhone came out till I was, at the tail end of school and even then only really rich kids could could get it and we all had the you know little brick phones which we would text on but again it wasn't all consuming because it was kind of a fact to text so I don't remember ever sitting up late at night texting I really don't remember that and I think it's which is wonderful because as a teenager you're going through so much already I think you can only really cope with we can only really cope with dealing with the dramas of the family and the friends around us I think that's enough for a teenager to cope with and to learn to understand the world through the family and their friends at school and the only other influence I had was magazines and I would buy some you know celebrity magazines as a teenager and that would open my eyes a little bit to just oh there are other people and they're doing this stuff and I remember being really into Jennifer Aniston and just thinking she was really cool and really beautiful and um, 
you know, I would sometimes rip out pictures of her because I wanted to maybe look like her when I was older and I wanted to to style my hair like her. But that was the extent of it. It didn't go too far. Most of my life was I was concerned with getting the part I wanted in the musical, my hockey team, and, you know, the nuances of your family. Like always, you know, as a child, you're kind of just, you're always... Um, want like checking that your family are okay and that you fit in okay with it and that's life and that's enough for a teenager so I can't even imagine what it's like now for kids that have all of that and then this whole digital world where everyone is accessible and there's so much drama in it and I'm so glad that I didn't have that but yeah I did I did notice to be honest, even at university, that wasn't that big a thing either. We did have social media, but it was pretty low key. It was Facebook and stuff. And it was like, we'd post a whole album and we didn't care what photos were in that album. Like there was still just an innocence to it, a lightness. And I don't, I don't think it was very wor- worrisome for anybody. Um, there obviously began a bit more online bullying, but um, that was the extent of the concern. And then I would say over the past five years, it's been like, whoa, social media and our technology use is reshaping the psyche of a whole generation or a couple of generations. I still think it massively affects us millennials because we're in it now. And that's, and it feels, it does feel quite dark. I mean, I know there are good things about it, but it, it feels like it's creating this big, virtual hell <laughs> like this this dystopia um where we all project that we're happy and we're not um and we always have so many people to compare ourselves to there's too many options for everything we're all a bit more lost maybe because we we see there are so many different ways to live a life and we only have one. So we all feel this extra pressure to make the right decisions, whatever they may be. So, yeah, I think it's changed. It's changed a lot. The interesting, the interesting thing there is you lived quite a, a digital free childhood by the sounds of it. And you were more interested in that, getting that part in the musical or, you know, playing hockey. And yes, you would join in with uh, a bit. Do you think that that has helped you? in a way now uh, with your technology use um, because you didn't use so much when you were younger that you don't use much now does that make sense well I don't know maybe maybe I think it's my parents were never oh, it's hard to say because I mean they didn't have we didn't have smartphone smartphones and things and um, I'm not sure really because I did go through a period of in my 20s of feeling very attached to I mean I still am like addicted to my phone even though even though I'm it's again it's all relative even though I feel like I've got really strong boundaries compared to most people I know I still feel I'm addicted because I'm still I mean an addiction is anything is anything that is like a non-rational compulsion something like that so I think that if I check my phone when there's no real reason to check it if I do that a few times a day or a hundred times a day then I am addicted to that and I am so I would still but perhaps perhaps that the fact that I grew up with quite a simple life um, I was fortunate enough to yeah have I mean no one's life is perfect no one's childhood is perfect but my mum and dad stayed together they were very loving have a big brother um that is quite a few years older than me so he left you know when I was still like a child to go to university but um we had a good relationship and so my life and we didn't have we had enough money that we didn't worry about it but we didn't have loads that it meant we were living a kind of like a flashy life so everything was just really simple I wonder if that has conditioned me to continue to want simplicity because it was it was simple and I think when I was a child I was always like "Mm, I wish my life was more like I wish we were going to Florida or like I don't know you know or I wish I wish my parents let me have parties 
with alcohol and like you know you always want what other people have but actually on reflection and like no I'm really glad it was really grounding and and simple so maybe that's affected my desire for simplicity now which definitely feeds into the whole digital detox thing that I'm on about because your life can't be simple when we're addicted to all these devices and we're required 24 7 to respond to emails and keep up with the joneses like it's just it can't be simple so I'm kind of like how can we get that simplicity back that's what I was going to ask you because you 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 are a proponent of digital detox and you do say that you set those boundaries um which you know the difficulty is that if you're trying to encourage digital detox you've got to how do you get the message out there so how do you deal with you know your instagram where you have where you you post on that to as a proponent of digital detox because i had the same moral chat with myself it's like we're using social media and the methods like that to um, promote our message. So I was just wondering what your moral quandary with that is, because I've had to think about that a lot, but it's those people in my head, it's those people that are on those platforms that you want to hit. So I was just trying to get your point of view on that. Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, It is a tough one. I definitely considered with Off Grid, which is my the retreat company. I was like, right, let's look, let's think about marketing. Let's think about old school marketing, you know. And I do have business cards. I do give them out, and you know, they are pretty effective. Um, because I'm obviously giving it to someone I've met face to face, and that's effective in itself as well. Um. I do do a little bit of email marketing, which is kind of old school, not quite old school, but it is, uh, it's away from social media. So I do that. And, you know, I was like, do I need to be on social media? But I think with today's, the the situation, that it is one of the strongest uh, ways to market and also it's free. Well, that's, depends what we mean by free but it is (laughs) I don't have to immediately pay for it I pay for it with my time and my mental health but um because I already had a relatively I mean my own social media is also public and I promote my yoga classes through it I already had a couple of thousand followers so I saw that as an opportunity so I thought I might as well use this platform to get my ideas and my message out and I considered as well you know I went through a phase when I was really diving deep in this and reading like digital minimalism books I was like I could what if I just really live this and I abandon all of my social media platforms and and I live it and And I'm still considering that in some way. Like, I'm still thinking about that being a possibility at some point. Um, If I managed to build some sort of business where I really didn't need to be, which perhaps is possible. Um, I like to think outside the box. I think it might be possible. But at the moment, for what I was trying to do, just get some people on the retreats, get them to digitally detox. Um, The short term, I was kind of like, right, I'm going to just create an Instagram link and page for this and see if people follow it and I don't post a lot on it which is kind of intentional um I post but also as a product of I have to post quite a bit on my own page um because I'm promoting some other things just like my yoga classes that I um that that it takes up quite a bit of my time and I, I just can't give any more time to creating reels or content to a different page so I don't post a lot on my off-grid page um, but I kind of hope that the followers enjoy that as well the problem with that is that it doesn't grow that much so it's really a give and take um, and I'm just figuring it out as I go I really don't have it figured out but with boundaries I certainly through even reading up on all of this and having like these kind of conversations and looking into digital minimalism it actually acts as a natural boundary a natural barrier to how I receive the information on social media and because I just really remember that and it's kind of at the forefront of my mind that 
all is not as it seems on this platform and um you know there is an algorithm at work here and I don't it's not healthy for me to if at least I kind of notice if I'm being triggered if I'm being triggered by posts or I find the information I'm getting is too much or overwhelming then I will quickly remove myself from the platform whereas I don't know if everyone has that like awareness they might just scroll on social media for half an hour and then afterwards feel a bit anxious and sluggish and wonder why and not make that immediate connection of oh that actually made me feel pretty awful um so I'm still working it all out but I do try and like I have a time limit on the app that I try and stick to um and I try to be pretty intentional with what I do share and with who I follow that kind of thing <laughs> yeah mine's gone blank now brilliant um <laughs> sorry that was a lot <laughs> yeah I told you no it was talk. good it was good <laughs> I, I had something in my head was one of my guests it actually said that we as the as sort of that millennial um transition period where technology was really becoming um, a thing as we were growing up. He said that we, well, pioneers would, would be the, perhaps the wrong term, but we were the people that were learning the mistakes that needed to be made for it, to which mm. uh, now the generations in front of us have that opportunity to take the uh, lessons that we've learned as we've as we've made mistakes on on online and they they're now implementing that so because you think that there was research that suggested that that you were more likely to be friendly to someone on social media or online than you were to them in person so those those types of things um so mm. i wonder if what we've learned as we've grown up with it it's actually filtered down into the next generation I'd hope so I think the thing is that generation z mm. <laughs> uh, the one you know below millennials I think that's from people born in like 98 upwards or something mm. um I feel like they're just so far gone they're like sucked into the vortex of like technology um, that I still feel that we're the more like kind of awake ones to the the detriment because we knew what life was like before it um, and also we're just not as cool so there's not like a <laughs> there's not as much of a we're not we're not completely embedded in most of the content that is out there on TikTok and certainly TikTok but TikTok and even Instagram a lot of the trends, you know, trends mainly are about the youth. And as millennials, like I still think of myself as part of that. But <laughs> as we get older, we, we I think, get kind of a nice, a blissful detachment from that eventually happens where we don't care as much about keeping up with like trends and um, almost gets to the point where it's like a bit pathetic if you did really care and you were like 35. It's like, why do you care about wearing this like or this being I mean I'm all about style and things like that but just in terms of actually keeping up with the current trends it's like let's actually detach ourselves from that and um yeah I think that Gen Z I don't know I'd like to think that they that they can sort sort some stuff out for us um and I think they're great on they're great on um the political side of things I think they're all I mean they're all very overwhelmed and seem seemingly very depressed which is extremely concerning <laughs> but but they are pretty aware of things that I certainly wasn't aware of um as a teenager or like in my early 20s you know they're having worked in schools actually I can affirm that things like um homophobia are much more seldom now um you know, it would be like I was I was telling a friend actually the other day that I remember like a kid standing up in in a class and like making a homophobic remark. And I didn't even need to step in because the rest of the class 
just jumped on him like a pack of wolves and shamed him for being homophobic. Whereas when I was at school, the pack of wolves were homophobic. You know, it was like, if you said something that was kind of progressive or if someone came out, um, the pack of wolves were homophobic. And that's awesome. And I think that uh, the internet is helping like children be aware that um, we need to accept everyone. We need to, um, you know, even things like feminism and things like we need, you know, it gets the ball rolling on these things a lot faster. Whereas obviously for, for millennials, for when we were growing up, we were kind of just replying, um, we we're kind of just relying on this, the opinions of our parents. And let's be honest, like not all of our parents had the best opinions at all. I mean, they they were children of post-war you know, post, post-war baby babies kind of thing. So it, I just think that uh, the internet for them is is giving them some some open minds, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if I've, I've never heard any conversation in younger people of digital minimalism. I've really not, I've not. But then to be fair, I don't, I don't hang out with a lot of teenagers. <laughs> but I did, I did teach a lot of them. I don't remember any of them making any connection of mental health to their technology interesting because you you obviously you said you have read a lot of digital minimalism books um, we just run a campaign um based on uh cal newport's digital minimalism book you heard of that one mm. yeah so, i love that book and it is interesting as you say is it a case of is it the older generations uh sitting back going well, in my day, it was better doing it this way, you know. Yeah. Um, and well, and human beings are so adaptive. Is it the case of those um, the generations ahead of those will just adapt to this um, onslaught of of technology? And will there be this peak and then mm. a drop off? Yeah, I have. I've heard that argument as well because people, you know, when the TV came out, people were like. <gasps> this is going to destroy civilization. But, I mean, they weren't wholly wrong. Um, they weren't that wrong. It wasn't that disastrous because, again, TV could only be addictive to a certain extent. You still had to go out and work mm. in the day. Um, but now it's much more um, pervasive. You know, like so many people are working from home staring at a laptop screen screen all day really doing virtual work and then their break is a bigger screen for television or a smaller screen for dopamine hits of and and just looking at social media and maybe posting a picture of themselves and I think it's very different very different I almost I feel like we're in like a technological revolution like in the same way that the industrial revolution completely changed society I think we're in a technological one right now where it's changing our brains. Yeah. It's changing our attention. It's changing our focus. It's changing what people care about and what people want. Um, and I think it is, I do think it is serious. I think when people say that, I get where they're coming from. They're like, well, just adapt. And it's like, but maybe this is us adapting. Maybe the adaption is us saying, no, it's too much. We need to put in data, huge data protection laws and um, huge like child protection on all of this stuff. And, you know, being put in laws that like kids aren't allowed, kids aren't allowed phones till they're 16, something like that. Like I'm all for, for that. And maybe that is us adapting. Like, we can't just adapt and like, it's like, it's like we've been given, you know, it's like, it's like cigarettes, like, kids used to smoke cigarettes years ago and I mean they still do but like <laughs> but it was like you know everyone smoked inside it wasn't seen as an unhealthy thing doctors would say smoke a cigarette if someone was anxious and um, now we know better and we know that it like it kills you and um, and we put in you know we put a massive tax and laws against it so kids can't smoke they're not well they're not technically allowed to smoke and um we need to do the same the same thing, I think, with tech. And I mean, that leads on to the sort of how do you think that uh, 
how do you think technology is changing our modern culture and society? Because you, I mean, you were touching on it just there. Is that um, it, it? It's a proponent for huge amounts of innovation and change. However, uh, a two-year-old can operate an iPad better than some adults can. You know, that type of thing. Mm. So, yeah, just give us your perspective on how you think it's changing modern-day culture and society. I think it is, for, ch for children, I think it's changing how they become humans, how they become little people, you know, because they are not being allowed out to play anymore. And their, their antidote to that is an iPad and a game. And you don't, that's not the same play as being outside and having to socialize with like new people and communicate and learning words from other people and uh, learning body language and like eye contact and like all of this stuff. There, yeah. a lot of them are missing because, and as well, parents are so scared of letting their children out to play. Um, children are much more nervous and anxious and obviously children also just copy their parents so if their parents are anxious all the time which so many people are they just live with this baseline of anxiety and normalize it then their parents are staring at their phones their parents are um, not going out as much and they're just you know on their laptops and devices a lot, the kids will just copy that and think it's normal. And I think it's really ruining, yeah, just kids like social skills um, and bravery levels, um, which you need as a person all the time. I think that people have become much more introverted and I'm not against introverts at all. Like some people are just really naturally introverted, but life requires us to be to be out there sometimes, to meet new people. If you want to live a full life, you have to be brave a lot. And I think people are just these days choosing um, safety and comfort over really living. And I think the reason that they can choose safety and comfort over living is because you can get kind of watered down versions of living. You can get... Um, you know, back in the day, you'd have to go to the cinema, you'd have to go out on a night out to like see a movie. Now you can do that inside. Back in the day, you'd need to go out to bars to meet someone to have like to hook up with. And now you can kind of just like sit at home all night and swipe through Tinder and also get and get a similar kind of dopamine hit um, without even having to meet them. Um, I know it's also changing. I know the stats that there's also changing the way kids like teenagers socialize. That there's so many teenagers that like aren't even having like their first kiss anymore till they're like way older, because they don't they they don't go out to as many things anymore. They just stay at home and they have facetimes with their friends or they um, have kind of sexual exploration just via Snapchat instead mm -hmm. of in person which just has so many issues with it. And I think it's, it's changing the way that we also um, spend, yeah, spend our free time. Like we're all having this, I know that Cal, I think it was Cal Newport that coined the whole like, was it Cal, the, the low quality leisure and the high quality leisure yeah. and how like high quality leisure um, can be loads of things but it, it's often things that are like put you slightly out your comfort zone like going for a hike or um high quality leisure is also like going out for a really nice meal and really enjoying the food whereas low quality leisure is just like really passive pleasure so just like um yeah watching like a, a tv series at home and there's nothing wrong with that like we we all kind of want a balance of high quality and low quality um, low quality is definitely sitting scrolling on your phone. Um, but the problem is that most people now spend so much time in the low quality category and they're missing out on the high quality. They're missing and, and then they wonder, we all wonder why we're all kind of depressed. Um, you know, and like even I mean, I'm quite I am quite 
bold and opinionated I'm realizing more and more these days but like I kind of I do believe that even even some people that I know that don't say they're they say they're they're fine like I'm just like I don't think you are like I think your life sounds very very stagnant and um great and again that is just my opinion I know part of that is my own like projection of things I'm going to put on someone you know and I was actually on the train the other day and there were these two guys that I think were around my age um I feel like I'm really bad with ages now because yeah I don't know that like you hit this age and you think everyone's either really young or really or everyone you think everyone's your age and they're either like 40 or 20 um I don't know but they looked kind of young and they were they seemed like nice enough guys but I just I couldn't help but eavesdrop and they were because they were sitting opposite me and they were just talking about how exhausted they both are they were just exhausted they just went and they went on about how tired they were for like half an hour and it made me feel like exhausted (laughs) just (laughs) listening to them and it also made me reflect like god I'm kind of like that too I say that to people too and I know so many people that are just exhausted Mm. um and I was actually speaking about it with my brother because and he was like yeah the funny thing is that they are exhausted he said but there are people in society who are really exhausted like people who have like multiple jobs and like you know people who like there was people at the school that I used to work at there was this wee boy who was lovely but he told me his mum has two jobs and lots of the time she stays up like days on end she works um cleaning shifts in the day and um cleaning shifts at night and sometimes they they're for two different companies so sometimes they cross over and then she has children like now that's exhaustion but these guys I do believe they are also exhausted because they're I was kind of again I was listening in (laughs) and they had partners and they were kind of complaining a little bit about their partners too I mean that's completely I get that that's completely fine um and then they were talking about the demands of their jobs. And then one of them was saying, yeah, like I had this recruiter phone me and he wanted me to go to a different job. But like, I just don't think I can be bothered with it. Like I get good money for this job. I mean, it's not a great job, but it pays the bills. And and then they were talking about they're going on a stag weekend and they really didn't want to go. They really didn't want to go. And they said they can't, they really didn't want to drink. And then they brought out this strong bow, these like packs of strongbow and by the time I got off the train they were on their sixth beer and it was like 11 a.m and it just made me feel so gray and flat and thankful that I'm single (laughs) I was like god thank god one of these guys isn't my boyfriend I mean because again they're not they're I'm sure they were lovely guys but like we're in this it's that it's that societal it's what's the norm you get a partner in a house that you can barely afford you have a job that's really stressful and draining and doesn't really ignite pull on too many of your mm. your um your strong points and things just continue to get like that little bit more stressful and you can't cope with going out as much but you still do it because it's the only time you can let loose and it's just this I mean I've really gone on a tangent here <laughs> Right. forgotten Fine. the question that you asked but oh no what was doing to society I think yeah. that tech has a huge amount with this because um yeah it's stealing it's stealing our precious free time and it's filling it with low quality leisure and yeah. with that and capitalism put together it's making everyone very unhappy I think well it's interesting you said about um high quality leisure and, and low quality and and there was a proponent in certainly his book and a few other digital men, it's um, high quality connection versus low quality connection where mm. you know, messaging people is they class that as low quality connection whereas high quality is actually going out interacting with people and talking to people because you get all yeah. of those things that you mentioned about um, body language and um, their tone of voice and the way that they respond or that you know you get the the whole encompassing thing that human beings need to be able to communicate with each other. So mm-hmm. I think that's a very interesting perspective on it. And, I, and I, it's all right for the tangents as well. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's a semi-structure, because then you can go off on these tangents. And I'm not asking just like, Good. this is what I want to know. Um, because getting people's perspectives is is the key part of it because everyone has a different perspective. Yeah. Um, 
So we'll leave it there because I think we covered some fantastic stuff there. At the end of the podcast, I always ask this question. It's an ambiguous question. Um, if you could live off the grid anywhere in the world for a year, don't have to worry about money or your job or whatever at the end of it, you can go straight back into that. Where would you go and what would you do for that year? Oh, wow. So I think kind of similar to what I am about to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am about to move to British Columbia in Canada. Um, mm-hmm. I'm still going to be back in Scotland a lot, running my retreats, just so people know. But I am going to base myself in Vancouver. But if I was to go fully off, off the grid, um, I would probably move to Vancouver Island, mm-hmm. um, which is just this nature paradise. And I would live up like the north of the island by Tofino. And I would, yeah, just have like a little cabin by the water and take some instruments and just kind of immerse myself in the community, swim a lot, maybe get a dog or like adopt a dog. Um, yeah. I think that's what I do, which isn't too far from what I'm doing, except I'm going to move to the city and um, to be a bit more in the hustle and bustle of things. But maybe, maybe I'll change my mind. Maybe I'll move. Maybe I'll move to Vancouver Island. <laughs> perhaps, that's, perhaps that's the impetus that planted the seed in your head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. And just say that you're, it's off-grid yoga. Or what, what, was, yeah. what was your... Yeah. Yeah. So my tags are off grid yoga on Instagram. I've got mm-hmm. them written down here because I often forget them. Off grid yoga on Instagram or Liz in the Clouds. I have mm-hmm. lots of other digital minimalist content there. And then my website is off grid yoga retreats.org. Nice. Yeah. Perfect. That's me. Well, thank you very much, Lizzie, for coming on. That's much appreciated. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was this was great. Good. Big thank you again for Lizzie for joining us on the Unplugged Debate. Until next time, thanks for listening.